The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, this morning, first of all, I'd like to mention the uh, uh, sorrow I'm having about not having my wife at home. Let me just say it like that. I'm kind of irritated about it, and I'll talk about irritation in a minute here. But I, I can't do without her. I'm just telling you. It's a hopeless situation, especially last night when there were two alarms going off. Now, I'm already alarmed getting up in front of you, uh, brilliant people every Sunday, but two fire alarms during the course of the night. So I'm like a deer in the headlights. And then, and then in the last day, we got a number of uh, texts from our dear friends. I talked about them last week. I hope almost all of you know them. Bob and Marilyn White. Marilyn has had a violent heart attack. She is, uh, Bob was, uh, Colonel White was a, a, an amazing elder, dear man, one of the best people in the world. And, and his wife tops him by about a tenfold. I mean, she's just an amazingly dedicated Christian for a lifetime. She's changed her world. And right now she's about to, uh, it's conceivable that she could be facing her maker face to face, the one she's loved for all these years very soon. So please pray for her. Uh, we're hopeful that she can, she can rally, but it's been a, a pretty much a devastating heart, heart event. And uh, Lord, we do just pray right now for Marilyn in the name of Jesus, that you would help, help her and Bob and and Diana and Andrew and all the blessings they've been to us generationally and as friends. It is absolutely overwhelming to think of a, a world where she's not around, Lord. But we do uh, know that she will be with us in the spirit from now throughout eternity. And she will more importantly be a, a flower that you've plucked for your garden, Lord. And we, we thank you for that. And we bless her and pray that you'll comfort and help that family. And my prayer would be that you would allow her to remain with us, but not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. <sighs> I've uh, gotten re reports on the women's retreat, and, and the report from my wife is they're having a great time. So we're really thankful and grateful for that. So we'll, we'll have them back next, next week, and uh, I'll be grateful for that. You know, I wander around the house. I've never pretty much been alone, even as a child. And to have her not there, you just don't know until they're not there that their presence, you feel their presence every second, uh, every moment of your life. And, and I am just so grateful for my wife. Um, the title here is, is uh, Confession and Prayer, Good 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 for the soul, and the key verse is verse 15 in James 5, and the prayer of faith will um, uh, save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven, okay? So there is a, the idea of prayer in that particular passage, but in another section down in 16, it says this, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Those are our one another's today. Confess your sins with, to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I think that something 
you, you, that's interesting to note here. If you read James, uh, as best we can tell, he was the brother of the Lord Jesus. He was a half-brother of the Lord. His name was James the Just, and he was a powerful leader in the early church in Jerusalem. This letter was probably sent out far beyond Jerusalem, and the way he writes is quite different from uh, the uh, epistles and the stories we read from Luke and, and Paul. It's not like he's going through a theological thing. It is more the work of a Jewish man who is raised with the scriptures, who has memorized line by line, precept by precept, and it is almost a set of proverbs or statements. It's not some flowing, eloquent thing. It is similar to the Lord Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is filled with beauty, of course, as our James thoughts here, endued and empowered by the Holy Spirit. But it's blip, blip, blip. So you'll, if you read the book, you'll see that rhythm. He's instructing people. He's like a coach, and we'll be talking about that in a second. Blip, blip, blip. I am building in your life certain principles. And it says here, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Well, this is not to, uh, the point here is not to directly link sin with uh, a healing, although we know that if I, like certain members of my family, smoked like chimneys forever, we might have some problems down the line. I don't want to label that so much as sin, except our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Like every dad, I'm telling my kids that every day of their lives so they won't smoke. My parents smoked like uh, uh, crazy but they didn't want it for me. That's just an anecdote. That's just uh, telling you that there can be a correlation between the things we do and, and certain outcomes that are negative, but there's also this marvelous thing uh, called forgiveness and grace. It's almost astounding, the amazing grace that the Lord ha has. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Okay, so it says we are in a certain sense to confess our sins to one another. And I will uh, more largely uh, speak on this in a moment. But it is a beautiful thing if you have someone so close to you and so safe with your information that you can talk about the sad or dark struggles you might have. Some of the sins that we commit and, and are just uh, stabbing us. We feel guilty and wrong about We can't just release it to the Lord, and I hope you can. I hope you believe that when you confess your sins to Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. All sins shall be uh, forgiven the sons of men except the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which uh, as best we can tell in our theological uh, tomes that we read night and day is that is the willful rejection of Jesus for time and eternity by an individual. That's what it means. Now, having said, hopefully there will be no one in that, this room that will ever entertain that kind of idea. Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And then there's another blip here about prayer. Now we're talking confession and prayer. Elijah was a man. Elijah was a prophet. 
but that doesn't make him a superhuman. He's just a guy, this is what it says, with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. James just believed that. He felt that that particular man in that particular area was able to affect the politics and the sad struggles in that particular area by stopping the rain in order that God might accomplish a supernatural purpose. Now, our point is not to look at Elijah. The point is prayer is possible and effective for God's children, extremely so. Now, you know, you guys are subject and the victim of my stories. It will never end. The way my brain functions is uh, um, <clears throat> uh, <coughs> like it's functioning right now. The way my brain functions is uh, the word becomes flesh. That's Jesus it's speaking about. But God's holy word has real and living ramifications, productions, Every day of our life. Let me tell you a weird story. You know I have all kinds of weird stories. Why? Because if you walk with the Lord in the gentility and magnificence of his love, he hears our prayers. He knows our names. And the other day, Marty and I were in the church office and we were talking about the growth of the church and the growth of the administrative burden and that we needed some help in the bookkeeping area. In, in managing the funds and taking care of them, it becomes quite complex and elaborate, especially in churches. And as we're talking about a need for a, a, a bookkeeper, the door opens to the office, and a woman walks in, walks up to us. I recognized her face. She had been a member of the church I served some 40 years ago, and she's just a wonderfully deep, solid Christian. I knew that she lived down in the kind of Newport News area, Williamsburg. And her name's Susan Sullivan. And she walks into the room and comes up to us and says, could you guys use some donated bookkeeping for your church? She watches this church online, just going to tell you, and she wants to give to it because she feels it's her home church. I grew up with her in part, and she trusts you guys. In all the years she's known of you, those, uh, that, that, that she knows your integrity and character and fundamental decency. And so she comes in and she says, can I offer you in exchange my bookkeeping skills? She's a professional bookkeeper for nonprofits largely. Skilled, brilliant, William and Mary girl coming in, walks in, offers us free help, but then we offer her the option of paid help. Now, I'm going to a very obvious place. I've been doing this, I believe, for 42 years, and I have never had a bookkeeper walk in and ask for a job. Does that happen to you every day? When I'm talking about that issue with a guy on my staff, now you go, God doesn't answer a lot of my prayers. No, he doesn't. Thank God he doesn't. Because not every prayer we, we put out there is holy. But in this moment, he loved us so carefully and that for some strange reason, maybe so that I tell you this this morning, a supernatural thing happened. Now, you know I'm not lying because you know me. What is that? I, I, I can't explain it. But I want it steeled in your soul that as Elijah prayed for something to protect a world and his, the people of his time, 
God hears your prayers even before you utter them. He knows what's on your heart. He knows your name. He reads your every thought. And sometimes that's kind of a bad thing. You know, prayer is important, but this particular passage also talks about confession. Confess to one another our stuff. I memorized as a child, maybe many of you did, the, uh, it was one of my favorite scriptures. Um, confess your faults one to another was one of them, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because as Christians, we want to hide all our flaws. We should certainly repent of them, but we ultimately know in the depth of our heart our desperate need for a Savior every day of our life. Example, I'm, I'm a coach. My son is my boss. He's the coach, head coach at uh, Chantilly of the soccer team there. He's a very fine coach. And we know we're not there for soccer. We're there in a very unusual... Where do you know two pastors that are coaching a varsity soccer team in, in, in Virginia? Or anywhere for that matter. This is crazy, but they trusted us. Again, there's a trust issue. They know us, they trusted us. And so we're there at a game. We have coached hard, we have taught hard. We've done our best for the boys, and the game isn't going the way I had taught them. And I begin to get rather exercised in my injunctions to them on the field. And there is an intensity that these young men do not require nor need. And it may be that some smoke was coming out of my ears. It was just wrong what I was doing. I, I had lost my composure. And it is especially devastating to me, my utter failure. I'm confessing this to you. Because in the back of this room in the first service, Pele's locker mate, the, the DC Metro coach of the year, sits there and I've watched him coach. Dedicated Christian, Kurt Kuykendall, and when he coaches, he stands, like Tony Bennett, the basketball coach at UVA. And it's one of the most serene and disciplined men you'll ever meet in your life in terms of his coaching, because he does it for Christ. And here I'm having a little bit of steam come out of my ears because they're not doing it the way we've told them. Now, the kids that play for us are very good, and we teach them the right things. But I was teaching something to them that night. In a sense, it was verbal for me, but nonverbal for them. You can treat people and bully them into success. You can be a bad example and still win games. And my coach who's my son came to me and dad and basically said word to the effect, it's too much. It's too much. You need to be quiet. Oh. So I looked to the heavens at that point, really wanting to dismiss this. And I had regained my composure enough to say, this is wrong, Bill. You're just flat wrong. And I sat down on the bench. The next practice, I went to the captain of the team. Now, don't, this is not, this is a makeup call. This is not a virtuous thing. I, I, I was ashamed and embarrassed that I had not behaved. I wasn't cursing. It's nothing like that, guys, but it's tone. And I asked the captain of the team, who is a much finer young man than I am, and he's probably Christian, incredible player, incredible character. I said, Tara, I said, um, do you have any comment? I'm going to apologize to the team for the way I acted the other night. And do you have any um, comments? He said, coach, it's, 
It's, it's just that it makes us nervous if you like amp up that way. Well, that's my goal, isn't it? That's, that's how I win the world. I'll just make everyone nervous. So I went to the team and I gave a flat out, no excuses apology uh, because I had to. Because it was the right thing to do, but there was nothing noble about it. It was a concession that I had done wrong and that I was needy and needed their forgiveness. And I had done wrong by them. And here was their response. And it gives you hope for America. These kids are from every ethnicity. Gosh, do we have to be ethnic? Can we be human before the Lord anyway? We're there with these boys. They're the best boys you've ever met in your life. They put me to shame with their deportment, their behavior. And they just said, Coach, we were, we were not, not doing what you asked, and we blah, 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 blah. I said, no, it's me, guys. I'm apologizing. Don't do that. And they all forgave me, okay? So that was wonderful. And one of them came to us later and asked what Brendan and I did for a living. It was clear he wasn't a Christian yet, but he just didn't see people apologize ever in that particular world. That's unfortunate, isn't it? But that, that was the thing. And clearly he had forgiven me. And clearly he had not dismissed whatever went on in our life, generally speaking. And he knew every moment, I'm not like that. But this was a sad moment. I, I, I confess it to you. Um, because the things that we do that we don't deal with come back to haunt us and hurt us, and we need to go somewhere to make our confession. My dad used to say that, that going to Catholic priests, he was a Catholic, going to Catholic priests probably kept a lot of people from committing suicide, that they could bear uh, their burden and say something to God and one other human being. In AA, that's kind of a principle. I, I don't know so much anymore. I do know this. We need to talk to the Lord ask for her, his forgiveness when we do wrong, and then maybe more importantly, not more importantly, but co-importantly, forgive ourselves. There was a young lady whose name was Jennifer. She was with the foremost psychiatrist, I would say Paul Meyer, in, in America, Christian psychiatrist. She's at his clinic, I assume, in the book. There's a book called um, uh, blue jeans, jeans spelled G-E-N-E-S, blue jeans, but it's all about our genetic makeup and, and uh, a certain approaches to therapy, and, and uh, yes, there are chemicals that can help us, and, and one thing, just one key thing, if your sleep is bad, it can be an indication that you're burying some stuff. If you, those last, you wake up very early in the morning, as I have done, and those last three hours you can't go back to sleep, something is stressing you. Something is going on. And if it goes on for years, that's a problem. Well, he's there. The doctor is talking to a woman named Jennifer. She's from a lovely home. No evidence there of anything wrong. He asks her all kinds of embarrassing questions. She answers them all correctly. He says, have you ever had an abortion? And she said, no. And he moved on. And at the end of the day, he said, you've been here about a week, and normally we can find something that is causing you to feel suicidal, that is causing you to be clinically depressed, that is basically a monkey on your back that is riding you to an early grave. He didn't use that terminology. That's my dramatic way of saying it. But he said, will you do this? I, I, I don't normally do this, but you, will you pray when you go home? And, and I'll pray that the Lord will show us what, what the problem is because something's wrong. 
Because some seven years ago, she had started having this inability to sleep and this clinical endless depression. Something's wrong. So she goes home, and uh, he goes home, and he says he prayed. And he had a dream, and he said the dream could have been a a bad enchilada I, I ate that day. But he goes, he prays, and he sees Jesus in his dream dramatically. And he says to him, matter-of-factly, calmly, kindly, and you have to be careful what you say here. This is not a precise rendition of the book. He said, she has had an abortion. And, and Meyer, in his dream, says, Lord, I, I asked her that question. She said she hadn't. And the Lord Jesus just stood there and looked at him in love. And that was it. That was the measure of the dream. But he felt compelled in that he had prayed that the Lord would speak to him or to her, and he was wishing that it had been to her. He, he met with her the next day, and he said, Jennifer, I, I, I have to, did you have a dream last night? She said, no. I, she, he said, I had a dream, and in it, Jesus told me that you'd had an abortion. And she said, well, when she heard his, his story, she said, well, yes, I did. But it's no big deal. I'm pro-choice, you know. I'm comfortable with what I've done and, what, and, 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 uh, and I'm good with it kind of thing. And he said, when did, it, when did you have it? Now, the depression had come on her a summer seven years earlier. And it was like pulling teeth to get her to say it. But she said seven years ago in the summer. And basically, that can't be it. He said, will you do this? Will you write a letter to your now grown call it a son or a daughter, in heaven, who's doing great, who's doing wonderfully well. Would you write him a letter and just talk about how, uh, your feelings about uh, that interaction? And she said, yes. I, she didn't have to send it to anyone. It was just for her. And she went home, God bless her, and began to write. And then she wept for three solid hours And the next day, she wept for three solid hours. And the next and the next day, she wept for three solid hours. And then she asked God to forgive her for what she'd done and determined to forgive herself. And that was the end of her clinical depression. Within a year, she was married with a child and doing great. Now, what had she done? She had confessed her fault to a God who still loved her and cared for her and brought her perhaps to the only person in the world that would be crazy enough to ask Jesus to give him information so he could, he could fix a horrible problem. You know, this sounds weird. Those of you that know me, you know my family. Um, I talk about it all the time because I'm very proud of them. And my... Uh, my dad and I, at, at, when I was nine years old, he goes to Okinawa. A lot of you guys have experienced it. Today, there, were no, there was no FaceTime. There was no nothing like that. There was no ability to communicate, really. And he's gone for 13 months. And, okay, he came back. For years, as a young adult and as a young man, I had recurrent dreams of this angry interface with my father, angry tears going on. Uh, and then it just exploded, and it would be over. The dream would be over. And one night I woke up in Dale City as a spirit-filled uh, uh, Christian. And I had that dream. 
And within the dream, I realized what had happened. A nine-year-old who could not express his feelings, his anger was about his dad emotionally deserting him. My dad hadn't done anything wrong except serve his country. But God knew about that, and that was the end of that dream. Now, do you know that Joseph had dreams and Mary had dreams? And I'm not going to make a thing about dreams. What I'm telling you is the brother of the Lord Jesus knew that part of our healing and wholeness was a confession to the Lord of some stuff we're doing. And certainly, uh, expecting and knowing that he is filled with love and forgiveness. And sometimes the sicknesses that we have are related to conflicts which we have not dealt with through grace. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I didn't pray for Susan Sullivan to come in. I didn't pray anything. The words were just on my lips. Nothing special there. This boy on my team coming up and starting to ask us about our Christianity was the result of a confession made to a bunch of kids I'd done wrong to. And they must have felt that why would he make this confession if he didn't believe he'd done wrong? And number two, we haven't seen this before. And number three, what is the reason he is doing this? And why do I like that? And why as a result of that do I trust him? Manager of a company, do you ever ask your employees how you can do better? How you can help them? Do you ever go to your employees and say, I'm so sorry, I lost my temper, I lost my way. I do it with my staff all the time. I do believe they trust me. <laughs> all the time, that tells you something, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not all the time, but it's enough. Maybe not enough. When we humble ourselves and confess our faults, it does not dismount us from the position God's put us in. Rather, if I tell my wife I've done wrong, will you please forgive me? She puts me back up on the steed in a sense. She receives my uh, repentance with love and we cherish each other. The other day I saw a man wearing a, Spanish shirt, and I was so proud of him. This is where he says, yo soy, I think he said, yo soy, I, I am an alcoholic in Spanish. Now, I mean, you know, he just does that to confess it and to remind himself that his sobriety is very vitally important. Let me conclude with this. Two points. There is a God, three points. There is a God. Number two, he's called you to pray. And number three, when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. There was a man whose name was Larnell Harris, one of the greatest singers you will ever hear. Has anyone heard him? Am I the only one? Larnell Harris. Yeah, you, okay, I'm a Marty. Uh, all the gray-haired people raised their hand. Thank you, I see that hand. And he wrote this, uh, he sang this song called, Were It Not For Grace. Let me read it to you. Time measured out my days. Life carried me along. In my soul, I yearned to follow God, but knew I'd never be so strong. I looked hard at this world to learn how heaven could be gained, just to end where I had been, where human effort is all 
in vain. Were it not for grace, I can tell you where I'd be wandering down some pointless road to nowhere with my salvation up to me. I know how that would go, the battles I would face forever running, but losing the race were it not for grace. So here is all my praise expressed with all my heart, offered to a friend who took my place and ran a course I could not start. And when he saw in full just how much his love would cost, he still went the final mile between me and heaven so I would not be lost. Were it not for grace, I can't tell you where I'd be wandering down some pointless road to nowhere with my salvation up to me. I know how that would go, the battles I would face, forever running but losing the race, were it not for grace. There was a woman caught in adultery. Jesus saw it. They were about to stone her. Jesus basically said, he that has not Sin, cast the first stone, they immediately take a walk. God bless them for being honest. And then he said to the woman, who is here to condemn you? He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. She didn't need to make a confession. Her public display said it all. If you could bow your heads just for a minute. Lord, if there's anyone here who is in the bondage of unforgiveness, putting themselves in the place where only you occupy the very throne of the universe and condemning themselves where your heart's desire is to call them clean and whole. Clean before my Lord I stand and in me not unblemished. Does he see? That's the position you want to be in. On your own or even here now in this moment, just maybe talk some confessions in your heart and mind, not, not publicly, but just, Lord, this, this. Or do it at home. Or write the letter, however you need to do it. But confession, as my father said, is good for the soul. And healing is available all the time at every moment both in this life and in the life to come, the healing of the heart first, and then perhaps the body, the healing of the relationship with God first, and then perhaps for the kids and the family. A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe that Christ is the only savior C, choose to follow him. If that is your heart, it will demand a repentance and a yielding of yourself to his tender ministrations and his re-sculpting. And you will receive, as if you've been baptized and entirely cleansed, life forever through him. If that's your heart, say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner in your heart. He'll hear you right now, he'll cleanse you, and he will present his son to you as your sin bearer, as your Lord, as your savior, as the grace of God to enter into heaven, clean, clean, thank God, clean.